0: Well, I want to welcome you again to Rise Church. My name is Jason. I'm the executive pastor here, and I want to share a, a great word with you today uh, from God's Word. And if you're watching on Facebook Live, we're we're so glad to have you and jo- uh, joining us. Uh, this morning. Also, if you're a guest here today, we're so glad you're here. One of the things our pastor, Pastor Aaron, likes to say is join us three times, try us out three times to see if we might be the right fit from you. That's one thing we ask from you is just give us a, a, a couple tries, especially with him being out this week uh, to come back and to hear a great word that he's going to share with you uh, next week and as a new series starts uh, next week. And, you know, as we're joining into this uh, new year in uh, 2020. I don't know if you're like me, but every year I have goals and things I want to do, and I'm always working on my goals and reevaluating them. But, uh, you know, we say stuff like this. Well, in this year, I want to find more time to, uh, you know, maybe it's, well, I want to find more time for meaningful moments with my kids. I want to find more time with my wife. I want to find more time where we can go out on dates. Or I want to find time. Some of us are. I want to find time to work out more. I want to find time to read the Bible more. I want to find time to pray more. I want to find time to listen to more podcasts, to read more books. I want to find time for hobbies. I want to find time for travel. I want to find time for this. I want to find time for that. We, we, we love to think about, like, I want to find time. And it reminds me of a study that I heard uh, from two social psychologists, and, the, and they wanted to put a theory that they had to the test. And so they decided to try this out on seminary students, which if you don't know what that is, that's people who were like me, studying the Bible in college, you know, in a seminary, where they're studying theology and the practice of, of of, of God's Word, and they decided to get these students together, and they wanted to test something on them. They said, who better to test it on than than Bible students, future pastors and preachers and teachers and ministry workers? And they said, here's what we want you to do. We want you to take, you're in this part of the campus, we want you to go over here to this other part of the campus, and we want you to give a speech, uh, you know, kind of an impromptu speech, about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And if you don't know what the parable of the Good Samaritan, it's a story that Jesus told about a man who was robbed, beaten, laying on the side of a road, and uh, various people come by And don't help this guy, a Levite, which is a kind of a a temple worker, uh, a priest, uh, which was in, in their days kind of the leader of the church, comes by and neither one of them stops. But the third guy comes by and he does stop and he's a Samaritan. Now, what was scandalous about this is Samaritans were kind of looked at as the enemy. They didn't like them. They lived on the other side. Like, we don't like them. But we, you know, so what Jesus is saying, like, the Samaritan is the one who stopped. So, they, so these, here they are, they're, they're you know, students of the Bible. He says, hey, go, go, they say, go over there, make this talk about the good Samaritan. But little did they know, they told one part of the group, they said, hey, you guys have just enough time to get over there, and you should be on time. They told another part of the group, hey, you guys have plenty of time. You can just mosey on over there and just get on over there. You have have margin to get over there. And one group, they said, hey, you're going to have to hurry because you're going to be late if you don't get over there right now. You're already late. Go, go. We need you to go over there. This is part of your grade. And so as they're all heading over there, what they didn't know is that these guys set a test for them. And the test was this. They had a man pretending to be hurt laying on the ground. And here they're supposed to give a talk about the Good Samaritan. And do you know what happened? a majority of them did not stop to help this person crying out for help. In fact, less than half of those who were told, hey, you have just enough time, actually stopped. A real small amount of those who said, you're, in, you're, you're, you're already late, you got to go, you're late. But did you know that those who were told you have plenty of time were six times more likely to stop And help the man than those who said, I have no time. If we have time, our behavior is to, we want to do the right thing if we have time for that. People do the right thing if they have time for that. So how do we find more time to do the right thing? How do we find time to do the right things in our lives? Because we've all been in the place of our life where we say stuff like, I'm so busy. Anybody ever said that? That's the like, American thing we say to do. Is like, hey, how are you doing? Busy. Like, if, you, if someone doesn't say they're busy, you're like, oh, you lazy. <laughs> like, what, what's going on in your life? You must, must be great to have time to waste. But here's the thing. How many of you ever said these words? I don't know how I could get any busier. Anyone ever said that but me? And guess what happened in the next season? I did get busier. Yeah. Yeah, things got busier. I'm always amazed when, you know, students will say, like, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm like, man, I'll go back to that day, any day of my life. I know you're busy for you. And so as we grow in life, busy becomes just this thing we are. But here's what I've learned. Time isn't something that we find. It's something that we take and something that we make. It's something that we make and something that we take. Time isn't something you find. It's something you make and something you take. It doesn't just happen and appear. Time doesn't, it isn't something we just find like, oh, look, under my couch, there's some time. And if that's true, what I've learned, that time isn't, it's, it's how do we make it and take the time instead of waiting to just find it? I want to share that with you today. How do we go from making and taking time? How do we go and make and take time instead of waiting to just find it. Let's take a look at John 15 as Jesus is sharing uh, some scriptures, and I believe they have some wisdom for us in this. Uh, Jesus says this in John 15. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Everyone say, even more. So in these two verses, I see three things that we can do to take and make time instead of waiting to just find time. And let's see what the first one is. is number one, time must be prioritized. In these verses, God the Father is compared to the gardener. And a gardener will examine the plants, to see whether they are fruitful, according to these verses. He will examine the, the branches to see if they are bringing forth fruit. And in our lives, with God's help, we must invite him in to prioritize our life, to see what is fruitful and what is unfruitful. And here's what I know as a, my experience as a pastor now. You know, been a pastor since I was 19, so about, you know, headed on 24 years now. And I've had the opportunity, if that's what you can call it, to sit with people who were on their deathbed. And never have I once heard the person say, hey, you know what? I wish I wasted more time in my life. You know what they say is like, where did the time go? I wish I could have spent more time. I wish I could go back and spend more time with my kids. I've done funerals for people where their kids didn't show up. I wish I would have spent more time on my spouse. I wish I would have spent time on the things that matter. No one says, I wish I would have spent more time watching TV. I wish I would have wasted more time. I wish I would have worked more hours and seen my kids less. No one ever says it at the end of the day. I wish I would have wasted my life on frivolous things. People will say, I wish I traveled more. I wish I did this more. I wish I experienced more. I wish I did more for God. I wish I did more good in my life. No one says, I'm satisfied with the amount of time that I wasted in my life. Because here's what this tells us, is that time is limited. You can't work for more. You can't earn more. You can't steal more time. Once the days, the hours, the years, the minutes, they're all gone once they're gone. Money, you lose your money, you can re-earn it. You can find another way to earn money. But you can never earn more time, and we have to be wise to spend it wisely. And so how do we do this practically? How do we prioritize our time? I want you to think of it this way. Is one is the thing you can do is make a list of what matters to you. What matters most to you? What matters most to you? How do you prioritize? You have to make a list of what matters. What are the things in your life that matter? Because what, here's what I know. We make time for the things that matter most to us. Because everybody here says, I live my life by prioritize, uh, by pro- priorities. I prioritize my life. Everyone says they do that. But does your list match up with what you really are living out It's not about doing things that matter. It's about doing the things that matter the most. What matters most to you? And I, you know, in my life and we're at a stage of life and each season might have a different thing that matters most. And our daughter, our oldest daughter has gone off to college and she was in town for two and a half weeks. And so we prioritized our time. I set some other things to the side so we could prioritize time for her. As she was here. Because she's a priority to me. Relationships reflect priorities. But... We can say we have one set of priorities, but our life could look a different way. And so not only do we want to, hey, let's make a list, what are we actually spending our time on? And and, and I was a part of a a mentorship group and, and coaching group, and one of the things we had these young leaders and ministers and pastors from around the world do is we said, here's what we want you to do for 30 days. Make a spreadsheet, and we want you to track your time every day. What are you spending your time on? Now I can tell some of your personality types are like, "Ooh, I would never do that." That I could who has time to do that? But what we found is this is when they took that time to write down what they were doing every 15 minutes, they started to realize they had some holes in their time. They had more time than they thought. When they measured it, they had more time than they thought. Because here's the truth. You can't manage what you don't measure. What you refuse to measure, you can't manage. We see this in finances. People will come to us and say, Pastor, I'm really struggling. And if this is you, we want to help you. We're we're really struggling financially. And I'll say, hey, well, can I see your budget? What? What manner of thing is this? I don't have a budget. I just trust God. We'll keep on trusting. <laughs> you can't manage what you refuse to measure. And it's not just enough to have a budget. You know, you can have a budget and just say, "Well, here's my budget." You actually have to do the budget. Anybody could have a budget. You have to do the budget. Like, does your checkbook reflect what you say your budget is? Well, I, you know, no, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, just, I just walk by faith, not by sight. Well, you're going to run into something. A budget is telling it where to go, and when you track it, you're seeing where did it go actually. And the same thing can happen with our time. We need to budget our time. We need to set a budget of our time. And some of us, here's the thing, some of us need to be more strict with our budget than others do. That's the same thing financially. The, the, the more you have financially, the less you kind of got to, you have some margin, right? And when you have less and less time margin, you need to have more strict with like, okay, this is how I want it to go. This is how I want to budget. And here's, here's what will happen is people will come and say, well, hey, I can't budget. I can't, do th- I can't do that. And we'll say, okay, stay broke. You say, Pastor, you're so mean. I know. I get it. And people will say this about time. Well, I can't track my time. I don't have time for that. Stay time broke then and stop complaining about how busy you are. Ouch. This doesn't feel good right now. Because once we decide what matters, we see how we're spending that time, we can see where it doesn't match up. And once we've done that, we ask God, invite him in, like, hey, God, what, 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 where do I need to have priorities? Where do I need to set some things? It, it, it comes to the part where after we prioritize, time must be pruned. Time must be pruned. And what do we mean by pruning our lives? Let's check out and see what Jesus said. Let's go back to John 15. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. Two things I notice here. One is he cuts off unfruitful branches. And this is just the time where most people spend on this. They want to talk about this part like, we need to get the sin out of our lives. Yes, I agree with that. And often people will come to us and just say, Pastor, you know, I don't feel like our church talks enough about sin. Like, we seem to be too focused on grace. Well, we're actually saying this. Jesus doesn't just leave it at sin and unfruitful things in our lives. Yes, he's saying, yeah, obviously you need to to cut those things out. That's a given. That's included. Everyone knows this. We don't need to spend time on this. What Jesus actually does is he says, I'm not lowering the bar of entry. I'm actually going to go ahead and raise the bar of entry. What? What? What does he do here? The second thing, he says, I'm actually going to prune the branches that do bear fruit. These are good branches, and I'm going to prune them back so they can bear not just fruit, but much fruit, more fruit. They can be more productive. And one of the things I wanted to be when I was in high school and I was studying and trying to figure out what I wanted to be before I got the call to be a pastor is I wanted to be a plant biologist was one of the things. I decided either that or a rocket scientist or a brain surgeon. I couldn't make up my mind. (laughs) But when I was studying this and looking at this, there's this interesting thing about pruning, and it says this. The general rule of pruning is to always cut, oh, this is so good, in a location where growth will occur. Let me say that again. The general rule of pruning is always cut in a location where growth will occur. It isn't about cutting off the dead branches. It's actually about cutting off some good branches where growth can happen and more fruit can be born forth. And sometimes we're so caught up on what are the things I need to say no to that we miss, we need to say yes to less. We need to say yes to less. We need to say yes to less even good things because they may not be the God things for us. And I just think of this as being a pastor and been a kids pastor, youth pastor, uh, you know, a family pastor, an executive pastor. And over the years, I've, I've seen this happen. Do your kids, I'm about to attack an American God, I'm sorry. Do your kids really need to be on 12 sports teams? I get it. I love sport ball. All the sport ball. It's all good. I love it all. I'm going to watch some football today. But we make it our God. We prioritize it. Do your kids need to play on four soccer teams, four softball teams, four volleyball teams, four tennis teams? I mean, y'all got them on teams of things I didn't even know were sports. Do they need to be on all those? Probably not. Are they good? Well, they're building character, Pastor. Yeah, but are they bearing much fruit? They're fruitful. Are they bearing much fruit? This is awful quiet. I can hear people sniffling. I get it. I get it. This is an American God to us today. Television shows. I like TV. I'm not against TV. I watch TV. Do we need that many? Do we need to watch all of them? Do you need to have all the streaming things? I get it. I like Baby Yoda too. I'm thirsty. Maybe you need to cut some good out of there. Donuts, they're good. I like donuts. One might be good. 12 might be too much. What do we need to cut? We need to say yes to less. Say yes to less. And I want to ask you that. Where in your life can you say yes to less? Where in your life are you saying yes to things that God did not call you to say yes to? Because God doesn't prune you to take things away from you. He actually prunes you to give you better things, to higher callings, to greater callings. He has our best interest in mind. He's not trying to hurt you. He's trying to bless you. He's not trying to, he's trying to take you from good to great. So as we prioritize our lives, we invite God to prune, a part of that pruning process. What's next? Time prioritized and prune will produce. Time prioritized and prune will produce. John 15, going back there, what in verse two, he says, so they will produce even more. God has called you to be a greater level of fruitfulness than you are right now. As we look in Ephesians, what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in in chapter five, he says, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. We talked about the wise men with Christmas, Wise men do this. What do they do? Making the most of your time because the days are evil. If you believe that the days were evil in their time, how many know the days are evil in our time? Just watch the news. The days are evil in our time. So we must be careful. So as we identify what matters, we're, we're trying to see, are our priorities actually matching up with that? As we track them, as, we, as we're saying no to the bad things, because that's a given. We understood that. We're saying yes to less. Now, now, how do we give up the good for great? Now, what does that look like practically in our life? What does it practically look like to produce? How do we assure we're truly producing much fruit? How do we make sure we're producing much fruit? There's a couple of things I wanna, I wanna kinda as we wrap it up. Is is one is it's planet, it. planet, it. plan it, plan it. Set goals, stretch. Here's what I know about your time. I know this about your money. I know this about your calories that you intake and 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 and, and, and expend. If you don't have a plan for it, somebody else will. If you don't have a plan, here's what I know. If I live my life by priorities and I say, well, I have a date night for my wife and someone calls me up and says, hey, you want to go to the movies? I can't. It's not bad to go to the movies, but I've already set up. I'm going on a date with my wife. If I don't set up time with my kids, this is one thing I do, I, and I say, no, 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 we're going we're gonna to have daddy-daughter time or daddy-son time, I'll have to say no to something else to say. And if something else comes along and I don't have that plan... I can get my priorities wrong. If I don't say no to certain things, that I'm saying yes to God's word. I'm saying yes to prayer. I'm saying yes to, for me, it's blogging, and, and, and this year it's working on a podcast, and all these different things that I have to say yes to, I have to plan them so that they set the vision for my life. And as a church, we're doing that same thing. When we talk about Vision 2020 and our vision for the future and what God's going to do this year, and we're trying to secure, uh, to make sure that we always have a place to meet, is is we're looking forward to the future. We're raising financial goals. We're having a plan to walk out. And it brings us to our second thing is, is, is our second part of this is after we plan it, we have to promise it. And promise it simply means this, is who are you accountable to? Who knows what your goals are? Because, you know, what you could do if, if no one's accountable to you, you could just be at the end of the, you know, 2019, you'd be like, yeah, I wanted to read 1.5 books this year. I did it. See, look, that was my plan all along. I wanted to gain 75 pounds. See, look, I did it. I wanted to work out no times. Yeah, I did it. No, no, no. It's harder to say, no, 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 I want you to keep me accountable. I'm not going to have any sugar during the 21 days of prayer. Like, I need you to know. Like, if, if I'm trying to get those Frosted Flakes, like, no, I can't get it. I have to let my wife know, like, hey, during this time, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up sugar, and I love sugar. I'm going to give that up during that time. I'm going to promise it. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to record it. I'm going to track it. I'm going to stick to it. I'm going to measure it. And thirdly, after I plan it, promise it. I have to pursue it. I have to run after it. And even with, as a church, we're planning. Okay, we got our vision for this. We're, we're, we're letting y'all know. We've got y'all involved. we got our elders and our overseers of our church. They're, they're familiar with what we're doing. And now we're pursuing. We got to work it out. And to think about that in my life is, is, is years ago, as, as, as I was a pastor and I realized like, like my metabolism had slowed down from high school and I was gaining the pounds. I was like, I have to do something. And so I was like, I think I want to run a marathon. And then I looked up how long a marathon was, and I'm like, 26.2 miles, woo. No thank you. What do I have attention span for? I have attention span for a 5K, which is like 3.1 miles. Yeah, I'm going to do that. It's about 30 minutes. I could do that when I started. It was 30 minutes. And then over the years, I built my time, and I had times I wanted to hit, and I had had goals that I wanted to hit. And then then here, this last couple of years, as I moved here to San Antonio, and you can actually run year-round here, it's great, I said, you know what, I think I'm ready for that marathon again. I think I'm ready for that goal. And so my pursuit, I had this plan, I had told people about it, and then I pursued it, and then what I realized is I'm going to tweak my goal. I'm going to change that up. But I've got to put in the hard work for it. And when we ask God to be a part of that, yes, God, we want you to help let your plans be our plans. We want to be accountable before you and before others, as you've called us to be, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and we're going to pursue it. We're going to put in the hard work of it. We, it. It's up to us to work and to put through those things. And so, you know, for me, I'm going to run my first marathon here at, uh, I think it's February, six weeks from today, February 16th in Austin. I'm going to run my first marathon because I, 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 I tweaked it. And so I have six weeks of training left to go. I have six weeks of training left to go, but I'm pursuing it. I have, to, I have to stick to the plan. I had to find a plan. I had to tell someone I was doing it. And one of the things I do is I do videos after I do my long runs and I'm all sweaty and I look like I'm going to die. And I talk uh, and put them up on YouTube. Just to, it's just to help me stay there accountable. And the same thing is as we understand God's plans for us and we make that promise to it, we have to pursue it and we have to put it in. And so I want to leave you with this statement once again before before we end. Time isn't something you find. It's something you make and something you take.